Hi, my name is Cody Clampett, and about a year ago, I dealt with the depression and suicidal tendencies, and I fell away from God pretty much, as what it feels like. One day I skipped a class at my school, and I went down to the train tracks, and I stood on the train tracks waiting for a train to hit me. And while I was on the train tracks, I couldn't help but to think about what would happen if I were to die, if I were to end my life that day. And if I would go to hell or I would go to heaven. If I would have committed suicide, I would not have a relationship with God. I would not have a relationship with my family. I would not have anything that I have right now. So I was there and at the counselor's office and I told her that I didn't commit suicide that day because I didn't want to go to hell and she pretty much said that's great and she said that it's good to have a good relationship with Jesus and that if I ever feel depressed that that's just something that I can think about, something that I can go back to and it'll help me. I felt like a, like a burden got lifted off my shoulders and that I could just finally go on and live my life and not necessarily peace, but with happiness knowing that even through the troubles, Jesus would be there with me. I just feel blessed to be here today and blessed to be at a wonderful church and blessed to be getting baptized. Um, my name is Alex Putnam. Um, right after right after high school I figured living on my own was the best thing. Um, I thought that having a girlfriend was the greatest thing in the world. Didn't know any better. Um, living in sin uh, I ended up getting her pregnant right after high school and four years down the road. Um, she walked out of my life and I realized that I could not do it on my own so I, I'm running to God because he's, he's the only way I can get through this and seeing that I can't do it on my own I accept him as my Lord and I want to follow him. And that's the reason why I'm choosing to get baptized, is to show everyone that Jesus is my Lord. Uh, we praise God what he's done in both of your lives. We, we, don't we? We give thanks to that. Yeah. Cody, why don't you come on in here? Come on, right up here. So this is, Cody, you can kind of go on to your, your tail. <laughs> and uh, this is Cody Clampett. And uh, Cody, we are so glad that God saved your life. And we are so glad that you got off those train tracks. And uh, we trust that God's got great plans for you. 
And uh, Cody, do you know that Christ has forgiven you of all of your sins, all of your failures? Yes. Yeah. Do you know that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that, that he's your Savior and he cares for you? Yes. Yeah. Well, Cody, based on the profession of your faith in Jesus Christ, it is my great honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to new life through Christ Jesus. Well done. Well done. Thank you, brother. Thank you. We have Alex Putnam coming. And here's little Aubrey. You come on up here. Come on up here. Close to Dad. Yeah. Alex, we've had numerous conversations, and uh, this past week you've come in and you talked to me about many of those conversations. And uh, this this past week you made that uh, decision. Is that right? That, that Christ is your Lord, He's your Savior. And, and you've received Him into your life. And now you've chosen to follow His path. And you'll walk with Him and follow Him all the days of your life. So, Alex, if you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, and if you've chosen through commitment of baptism to profess that you are going to follow Him and lead your life as Christ would want you to uh, live your life. Yeah. Alex, it is my privilege to now baptize you in the profession of your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Well, great celebrations. So thankful to be at a church where we're seeing life change. Let's pray. Let's give God thanks, and uh, then we'll open up the scriptures together. Father in heaven, how we thank you for your lavish generosity to all of us. We thank you, Father, for sending your son Jesus from heaven to earth to grant us new life, and as we just heard in these stories, new hope. And so we collectively pray for Cody and Alex that this would be a significant marker in their faith journey, that they would go back to on a regular basis and remember, I testified to my belief in Christ. He's got me through in the past and he'll get me through in the future as well. Father, thank you that you're the one that brings about life change. We don't. We acknowledge, Lord Jesus, that apart from you, we can do nothing, and so we give you glory, Lord Jesus, for bringing these two to yourself, and we remember this also is an invitation to us to recognize, well, what you would uh, invite us to, new life, new hope, new peace, and eternal life, which is found in Christ Jesus. I pray for any in this room who 
have not been baptized or have not given their lives to Christ, that today would be the day, perhaps, that they would consider taking a, a step toward the living God who loves us and gave himself for us. We love you, Father, and we ask that you would teach us now through your word, guide us in the scriptures that we might follow you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, before I get started, if I could just do a small, small bit of housekeeping. This is totally spontaneous, but we are just about packed here this morning. And so, uh, if I could ask two things. One would be a reminder that at this service, when you come in, if you wouldn't mind just moving to the center each Sunday. Uh, you don't need to do that now. I think we're all set right now. But in, in future, if we could all just move to the center, I don't want to scold anyone for that. I'm not saying that. Uh, it, it certainly helps uh, the ushers as we have uh, really packed services here at 11 o'clock right now. And then second, if you uh, would like to be a part of the early service, you're welcome there. <laughs> and you won't have to look for seats. <laughs> we have plenty of people there too. But there's more seats to be found at the first service at 9.15. And uh, some of you might actually like the blended music though, that is found there, both the mix of traditional hymns and more contemporary music as well. And so that's certainly available to you. You might even pray about that if you say, this is my church home, uh, I will consider making some room for someone else. So I uh, appreciate your consideration for that. And I'm so glad that you're here. Okay, well, this morning we are continuing in our series in Answer to Anxiety, and this is week three of a four-week message. And I was thinking about this one, uh, Peace in the Trial. I thought of a good friend of mine back in Colorado whose name is Cliff. And I got to know Cliff about 11 years ago when, uh, for the very first time, he introduced himself to me after a worship service that we held at Calvary Bible Church in Boulder, and uh, Boulder, Colorado. And uh, that specific Sunday... Uh, Susie and I and a team of us were up on stage sharing what we would be doing down in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina had just hit that city. And so uh, we asked for prayers and for some support as uh, we'd go down there and provide food, emergency relief, and then also clean up in uh, one specific neighborhood though, that was drastically hit by that storm. And during uh, my little announcement about that trip, I mistakenly said, uh, we have eight or nine of us going down to New Orleans, and we only had eight. And so this guy, Cliff, comes up to me right after the service, and he said, hey, you mentioned you had eight or nine go going to this, this mission trip. Uh, do you have eight or nine? Well, we have, we have eight right now. And he said, can I be the ninth? Well, I've never met you. <laughs> uh, let's meet this week, and, and we'll see. And I took a flyer on Cliff, and he decided to join us for this mission trip to New Orleans, and, and he was fantastic. He was phenomenal. And uh, he blew open a lot of my stereotypes. He's a good reminder to me and good reminder to all of us not to stereotype people. Because Cliff came to Boulder uh, through some difficult circumstances, and when I met him, he was living out of his truck. And I quickly learned on this trip he was anything but shiftless. He was an incredibly hard worker. And uh, he just had some difficult circumstances, and he didn't have the infrastructure that most of us have to hold us up when we fell down. You know, if I was to fall down and go without a job, I could be without a job for a couple months because I have a family who loves and supports me. That's true for many of us, but, but he didn't have that. And so without that, when he lost a job and then he went through a very long recession, a couple of different times, he would have to live out of his truck or during the particularly cold 
times in Colorado, he'd have to go live at the local homeless shelter. And as I recently reflected on his experiences, and Cliff's found stable work and a good income and a, a little apartment that he is so, so grateful for, and we were reflecting upon his experiences over the course of a number of years of being in and out of his truck, and he said, Adrian, I would never want to make it known that it's all been a bed, of, a bed of roses. It hasn't been that. It's been really hard at times. It's been a roller coaster at times. But I, I want you to know, Adrian, that God has always provided. And his most famous statement that he regularly says is, we are never too far from the long arm of the Lord. He would always say that. I could be living in a truck, Adrian, but I'm not too far from the long arm of the Lord. Wouldn't you love to be able to say that? Wouldn't you love to believe that? That I'm not too far from God to bend his ear to me when I pray. I'm not too far from God that when I'm in the midst of a very difficult circumstance, I'm still not too far from the long arm of the Lord that he would reach out and he would draw near to me in the midst of my weakness. This is the plea of the Apostle Paul in this morning's passage. You're not too far and I am not too far from the long arm of the Lord. We're gonna review a little bit of what we did last week and then we'll use that as a setup for this morning's message. This is really one continuous thought in chapter four. Paul's talking about peace with others and then he talks about uh, peace with self and today's gonna be peace in the trial. But he marches through giving us uh, direction to rejoice in the Lord and to not be anxious about anything, but to exchange our anxieties for prayer. And, and he's marching toward this gift of contentment that God would have for every one of us. That no matter what we're going through, we can learn the secret of being content in any circumstances. So Philippians 4, starting at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on such things. Dwell on those things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So let me just reset a little bit what we talked about last Sunday as we talked about peace with self and the battle with anxiety, the battle with worry that we all face from time to time, which Paul speaks of here because it helps set the stage for, for where we're going today. Last week, what well, we noted out of that passage, a few different things that we can do to fight against anxieties and grow in peace within self. And the first one is the daily decision to rejoice. As Paul says here, rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, Rejoice. In all things, find something to be thankful for. Because we cannot choose our circumstances, but what can we choose? Our attitude. We can choose our attitude in response to those circumstances. 
And so we choose to find certain things that we rejoice over each and every day. And some of us have been finding at least three items that we can give thanks to God and we can rejoice for each and every day. I encourage you to do that. We take captive our thoughts. Second, we release our prayers by, or release our cares by the instrument of prayer. We release our anxieties by the instrument of prayer. So whatever your current anxieties, your current worries, your current cares, the Bible invites us to cast our cares upon God because he cares for us. It's a great statement that we can give our cares to him, we can give our anxieties to God because he personally knows us and personally cares about us and he wants us, want us to just sit in them, to stew in those anxieties. That just makes them worse. Instead, we, we give those to him. We keep on seeking Keep on asking, keep on knocking, and say, God, here are the things that I'm worried about. I give them to you. Would you please take them? And as we discipline ourselves to grow in that habit, we, we find that he relieves us of some of our anxieties and gives us peace instead. And then we noted, third, that we reflect on what is good. We reflect on the good stuff in life. You know, habituated patterns of thought get etched in our souls. There's actually neuroscience nowadays that tells us your habituated thought patterns get etched in your brain. You get these neural pathways carved in your brain because we sit on certain ideas over and over again and they gain strength. And so if you choose to sit over and over again on certain worries, those worries will literally, physiologically, gain strength in your mind. Now, all of us are gonna worry sometimes. And all of us are going to have many things to be concerned about. And we know that sometimes our, our worries can be good in that they motivate us to do something. They motivate us to pray or they motivate us to go uh, get something done that needs to be done. But the simple truth is, many of us live with worry as a constant habituated pattern of our minds. Such that when we wake up in the morning, the very first thought is a worrisome thought over what's happening that day or what's happening tomorrow. We send the kids to school, and we worry about the kids in school. And we go to work, and we worry at work. And I heard from a number of college students last Sunday that college, of course, is a time. I had almost forgotten how worried I was throughout my classes and the midterm exams and the final you, 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 I mean, it's easy to constantly feel worried in college. And then go to bed worried. And those patterns become habituated in your mind. And what Paul is telling us instead is that we can choose to reflect on that which is good and right and true and pure. And let that dwell in our hearts. Let that dwell in our minds and dictate the way we think. I would encourage you uh, to picture Christ in the Gospels. Baptize your imagination for good. Of course, our imagination can be used for all kinds of terrible things, but how about using our imagination for good? That we'd see the portraits of Christ in the Gospels, and we would dwell on those, and we say, that is what God is like. You see Jesus with children, that's what God is like. You see Jesus with people who are paralyzed, that's what he is like. And you get that in you, it can change your thought process. Or focusing on creation, or on beautiful relationships, and on and on, we reflect on what is good. And the result of all of this, Paul continues in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So re brief parenthesis here. 
the Philippians showed concern for Paul when he was in a jail cell and when he was on his missionary journeys by sending money for those journeys. He's rejoicing that they showed concern for him. So there's a little parenthesis there. Not that I am speaking of being in need, he goes on, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. Circle the word secret in your Bible. Highlight it. I've learned the secret of being plenty and hunger, of abundance and need. And here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can get through this by the power of Christ who strengthens me. Again, wouldn't you love to be able to say that, that I can be content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or living in want, I know I can get through, and it's by the power of Christ in me who strengthens me. I could be in a hospital room watching the Broncos beat down the Patriots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or I could be in my own living room watching the Broncos beat down the Patriots. Either way, I'm going to be content. In all seriousness, I could be living in a mansion, or we could be like our friend Cliff, who was living out of his truck. And he learned the secret of being content no matter the circumstance. You, you can be well-fed at a life group potluck this afternoon, or you can go through a day in which you're hungry, and yet still be content by the power of Christ who is in you, able to strengthen you in all things. We want to remember God's greatest promises. We want to get those into our soul. We rejoice in all things. We reflect on what is good. We uh, release our cares by prayer, but we also remember God's greatest promises such that we would get them deep in our soul, get them deep in our minds. Now, you might have your habits, you might have your pattern for how you memorize the scriptures or how you conceptualize the scriptures such that you have the very best concepts from God that, that are most applicable to your life right now that you're regularly getting into your soul, regularly getting into your mind. And you do that however is best for you. Some of us like memorization, some of us like conceptual thinking, whatever's best for you. I'll just share what works for me in case you don't yet have a habit. For me, for 15 years, I've been walking around with little note cards in my pocket. And I need to be reminded of certain promises from God, some of his greatest promises for eternity. And so I'll pull out so some of these note cards fall from my pocket and I'll read those throughout the day. Or I will just remember that in my pocket here is Revelation 21.4, that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That's a good one. Or how about this one? 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are of good courage because we know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's a good one to hold on to in the midst of our struggles, health issues. Remember that even if we die, we'll be with the Lord. Or how about promises that we get for life? There in my left pocket, I got a few more of those. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you I'll give you some rest. God cares about our physical needs here and now, our emotional needs here and now. Or you look at this one, John 10, 3 and 4. How does this sound? 
The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. The sheep follow because they know his voice. It would be great to know that you can hear the voice of the good shepherd, first from the scriptures, but also sometimes as you're stewing over some prayer and you're asking God to answer, he will answer with his still and quiet voice to care for you right now where you are living. You want to get these promises into you. So too, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are the kind of promises, though, that we want to get into us and allow them to form our minds and our hearts. Years ago, I was watching a boxing match. I kind of like boxing. Please don't hold it against me. I was watching a boxing match starring Evander Holyfield, and he might have been fighting Mike Tyson. I don't remember. But here's a picture of him with his trunks that have Philippians 4.13 on them. And I think what he's saying there is, I can knock this sucker out through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> is that what Paul meant? I'm going to use that same logic to apply to my jumping abilities in 2016. I can slam dunk the basketball like LeBron James through Christ who strengthens me. May it be, Lord, may it be. I know there are some high school students and college students who use this logic. I can ace this physics exam even though I failed to study through Christ who strengthens me. You been there? Or I can stay fit even though I eat three scoops of ice cream every day and drink a two-liter bottle of Coca-Cola every day. I can stay fit through Christ who strengthens me. If there was ever a Bible verse that is frequently taken out of context that we need to read in context... It is Philippians 4.13. That's not what it's about. Don't take the Bible out of context and then just use it for your own purposes. That becomes a pretext, and it's not what the biblical author intended. The everything in this passage is defined by the previous two verses. So if you look at verses 11 and 12, this is why we're always going to harp in here so long as I'm teaching that we read the Bible in context. Verses 11 and 12 defines the everything. It defines the all things. I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. Think about that. Prosperity can also be a significant trial because it brings in new temptations. And Paul is saying, I have learned how to abound in prosperity faithfully through Christ who strengthens me. I've learned how to be impoverished faithfully through Christ who strengthens me. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You see, the specific context here is trials of various kinds, particularly economic trials, but it, it's various kinds of trials or abundance and prosperity. Uh, he's talking about how we can get through our challenging circumstances and our suffering circumstances through the power of the one who alone is God, who is with you today. Here's how author John Ortberg puts it when it comes to our sufferings. He, he notes, if you ask people who don't believe in God why they don't, the number one reason will be suffering. And if you ask people who do believe in God when they grew most spiritually, the number one answer will be suffering. 
Maybe you've experienced this. I certainly have. That there have been certain times that I've been riddled with covetousness and riddled with anxiety, and that anxiety has turned into suffering for me, that things are not going my way, and one thing goes wrong and another thing goes wrong, and it adds up, and then all of a sudden I see my belief, my faith, kind of whittled down. And that can easily happen Well, when you're riddled by anxieties that your, your, your faith gets grinded down. And many people, unfortunately, go from there all the way to the period of unbelief and saying, I, I don't want to believe in any of this stuff. Instead, we want to prepare ourselves that trials are coming. We're either coming out of a trial, right in the middle of a trial, or else we're going into a trial. Good news for Sunday morning. It, it's coming. It's coming to all of us. We need to prepare ourselves. Thus, we would recognize east of Eden, this is going to happen to all of us. We are going to struggle, but we can still be content in the midst of all different kinds of trials because we are never too far from the long arm of the Lord. He cares about us. He will not leave you or forsake you. So I have also found in the midst of my sufferings, and I've certainly had them too, just like you have, and I found in the midst of my suffering, sometimes anxiety is that which thrusts me to my knees. And pain can be that which thrusts me to my knees and forces me to call upon God. And it's there that I learn God won't leave me. Other people might leave me. Other people may want nothing to do with me anymore because of the stand that I've taken, but there's one who will not leave and one who will not forsake, and when I may be at the end of my rope, there's God to catch me. And I know many of you have that exact same circumstance, that same experience that God is willing to catch you when you're at the end of your rope. And this is the secret that Paul is referring to here. I can get through, no matter the circumstance, I won't forsake God when I'm rich. I won't forget about God when I'm rich. I will focus on him. And when I get poor, I'm not going to shake my fist at God. But instead, I'm going to trust that God is going to be with me in the midst of this. I'm going to keep surrendering my, my life to him. And I'm going to trust in his sustaining power. And even if I'm not sustained, though, this side of eternity, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. We gotta hold on to these truths. We gotta remember these truths, put them deep into our hearts, deep into our minds, allow them to arrest our souls. It's not just found here in Philippians 4. This same idea is found over and over again in the Psalms. Psalm 16, for example, you'll see on the screen, King David, who knew both prosperity and want, and he knew great rejection from his kids and great trials in life, he said, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. He's saying my lot right now may be small. My portion, my cup might, right now might be small. But you have assigned this to me, God, so I trust in you. You're sovereign and I, I believe in you. Or, I, I'm feeling kind of shook up right now, but I won't ultimately be shaken because I have God with me, and I trust that you will be at my right hand, therefore I will not be shaken. How about Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, I shall not want. The Lord's my shepherd, 
He'll look over me. He'll use his rod and his staff to protect and to guide me. And I will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, but he'll still be there. And so the Lord is my shepherd. I need not be anxious ultimately about anything, but I can give myself to him and ask for his help. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We, we get these truths deep into our soul. What I'm talking about here is authentic Christianity. When you choose to dwell upon Christ and live with Christ on a day-in and day-out basis such that you're developing a relationship with Him, when you choose to remember the great promises of God and apply them to your own life, it leads to authentic Christianity that makes the difference when times get rough. There, there is no stench in the world more awful than fake Christianity. There's no stench in the world more disgusting than cultural Christianity, nominal Christianity, this idea that I can just kind of call myself a Christian, I can do whatever I want to do. That always leads to abuse and manipulation. But conversely, there is no aroma more beautiful in all of the world than authentic Christianity rightly practiced before God and before community. When you see it, it is totally beautiful. And what I'm talking about here, once again, is the kind of authentic Christianity that says, I am going to give myself to God. I'm going to surrender myself to Him. I'm going to get His words deep within me. And then the results will be profound. You'll still go through incredibly difficult circumstances, but you learn as a husband to better forgive your wife. You learn as a wife to better forgive and support your husband. You learn to be a different kind of neighbor who demonstrates grace even to those who live and believe much differently than you. It's through authentic Christianity, through getting the words of Christ into us, that we are able to learn to disagree agreeably and be people that are marked by both truth and grace at the same time, and we become people who experience the trials that knock other people down in such a way that they can't get up. But we experience those same trials, and we can get up because we have Christ Jesus, our Lord, who will keep strengthening us. So what is your habit for getting the great promises of God in you? That's my challenge for you this morning. What is your habit? Let's close in prayer, and as we close in prayer, I'm going to close a little bit differently today and ask you to participate with me, okay? Will you? Will you participate with me? You don't have to say anything. But I'm going to ask you to put your hands out like this. This is a posture of invitation, and it's also a posture of surrender. Now you can close your eyes so you're not looking at the person next to you and wondering what they're thinking of you as you have your hands extended, okay? We have this posture of surrender, and what we're going to do is simply surrender to God. Surrender all that we have to him, knowing that all that we have to him can be taken away. And so, God, it's yours. Will you take me and use me? I give myself to you. Would you get me through what I am going through? So bow your head with me. Extend your hands and close your eyes. And we're going to surrender to God. Father in heaven, we give ourselves to you.
we acknowledge that we need you. And we don't have enough on our own to get through some of the things that we are currently navigating. And so, Father, this morning, and I pray on a regular basis, we would get in the habit of surrendering our lives to you. And so on behalf of my friends right now, we, we just use our mind's eye, we just use our imagination to think of all the stuff that we have. And we want to give it to you. Father, we give you our cars. We give you our computers. We give you our phones. We give you our jewelry. We give you our homes. We give you our farms. We give you our tractors. All that we have is ultimately yours. Father, we acknowledge that you have given us these things to steward for a time, but we do not want to own these things because if we try to own these things, they will ultimately end up owning us. And so we give you all that you have given us, Lord. Perhaps you would imagine your bank statement and surrender that to God. And maybe a 401k and surrender that to God. And Father, we imagine our days, the time that we have this week from Monday to Friday, and many of us are zealous for our time, and we do not like to be interrupted, and so we give you our time. We invite you to interrupt us if you need to interrupt us this week, if you need to bring someone else into our lives who needs a touch from someone who loves we invite you to interrupt us because this time is yours. And Father, we give you our health. We all will lose our health. And some of us are losing it even today. And while we pray for those who are losing their health today, we ask that you would sustain them so also we give you our health. Whether we are ill, or thriving today, we give you our health because we know that our bodies are yours. We surrender to you. We surrender our power to you, God. We surrender any prestige we have to you, Lord God. And then I wonder if you'd be so bold as to surrender your family right now to God. I wonder if you'd have the faith to believe that God loves your family more than you even love your family. So, Father, I surrender my wife to you. I surrender my boys to you. They ultimately are yours and not mine. Would you shepherd them? God, we trust you with all that you have given us. We want to be numbered amongst those people like the Apostle Paul who experienced plenty and experienced want and he had all things but he lost prestige and power and position and he lost family and he lost money and he eventually lost his life for the sake of the gospel but he said I'm content in any and every situation for I know that I can do all things through Christ Jesus our Lord who will strengthen us.
Amen.